I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life, and see if I could not learn what it had to teach, and not, when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. Henry David Thoreau. He's kind of crazy, she's a little insane. Keeping energy really messes with his brain. One is divorced, the other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. Oh yeah. Hello everybody and welcome to the Silver Linings Playcast. I'm your host, Jamie Ward, and as far as I know, this is the only podcast solely devoted to talking about Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book by Matthew Quick. Welcome back. I am in studio. I have been on a run of episodes that have been recorded in different locations. We have had special guests on. We have had short episodes, non-episodes. We'll find out what this one is. But we are prepared. We are prepared for an episode, but maybe not so prepared that I pronounced the author that I was quoting at the beginning correctly. Henry David, did I say a Thoreau? Thoreau? Henry David Thoreau? Uh, we don't. It doesn't matter. <laughs> It doesn't matter. I was just pausing for dramatic effect and then I accidentally pronounced it in a way that I didn't even intend to. Anyway, one, you probably want to go back and I guess I guess next week can be our Christmas Christmas episode because we always like to say that uh, Silver Linings Playbook is the best Christmas movie of all time. And you can go back to last year's episodes around this time and find out uh, what... We were talking about constitutes a Christmas movie because we had a much better discussion about that than most people do on social media. But today we have Silver Linings Playbook facts. Fun facts, trivia about the movie and the book, mostly the movie. And I think we've tried to do this before, but I sort of faked it. I sort of actually, now that I'm thinking about it, we might have literally done this episode prior Anyway, we are doing it again because there is nobody that is listening now. Full stop. Also, we'll try that again. Alternate take. There is nobody listening now that would have heard that episode back then. Unless somebody was an absolute psychopath and listened to every episode. But that would be insane because I have not even done that. And I am the one who is doing the podcast. Anyway, let's jump into some Silver Linings Playbook facts. We got a lot of fun stuff. The first source of top 15 facts. These are all readily available on the internet. I don't know anything about the movie that you couldn't find out yourself. You just probably don't want to. Because why would you? The first 15 facts come from an article from Hollywood.com that is titled 15 Things You Didn't Know About the Movie Silver Linings Playbook. This also comes from an article that was published far closer to the time that the movie originally came out. So some of these are dated. We'll try to give some historical context. And yet they are still all very um, real. Okay. Number one, things you did not know about Silver Linings Playbook. David O. Russell, the director, wanted Vince Vaughn and Zoe Deschanel for the original uh, characters of 
Pat Solitano and Tiffany Maxwell. What a different movie that would have been, right? I like I um I'm fine with both of those uh actors, but I'm sort of neutral on them too. Uh I don't uh I have liked some Vince Vaughn movies, but um I don't think he's had any like I'm I haven't been a super fan of his roles. I think uh they're he it was interesting he was in Psycho the remake of Psycho which I don't think he was actually a bad choice for that there was just some other problems with the movie they were probably they they tried to remake that film shot for shot and very rarely has an attempt to make a film shot by shot remake ever been good partially uh, the the original films were made that way for a reason, and it's hard. Like if you're going to make something for shot for shot, why not just watch the original? Real uh, now, I realize that the original one is dated, is old black and white movie, but is also a super classic. Anyway, there was just no need to 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 remake it. I do think they would have been a good pairing, though. That that they they sort of um, probably would have matched each other's energy well. Uh, I. Uh, I don't. I don't think Zoe Deschanel is a bad casting choice either, particularly for this role. I think it just would have been a funnier, a, a lighter comedy. We've talked about this film and how it sort of falls between genres, right? I definitely think if you had had Vince and Zoe in the leads, it would have had to have been more comical. Now, I like Zoe uh, for Zoe more than I like Vince for Vince. And I'm not a super fan either. Uh, it's funny. My friends always uh, assume that I am a huge Zoe Deschanel fan. And I don't know why. Um, I don't particularly hate her. I did love the show New Girl. That was a fantastic situational comedy that really just never got the due it deserved. I mean, it was very popular. It's got a cult following. It is... It has got a fan base sort of like The Office. It's just nobody ever talks about it. And I did not even know about that show existing until uh, a couple years after it went off the air. Actually, just recently. Just recently. I learned about the show New Girl probably around episode 12 of Silver Lining Playcast. This is episode number 78. So that's almost 60 episodes again, about a year ago, a little over a year ago. I probably don't know about that show. Very funny, extremely well written, acted, casting, totally on point. I think it suffered from uh, poor branding, the, the ads and the commercials in the same way. I say that like it had a good run. Uh, I, th- I think maybe it was a four or six seasons or something. It's in syndication, like definitely, definitely hit all the benchmarks that you want when you're creating a a weekly half-hour comedy sitcom, uh, and it's an extremely good one. I just think I remember. I think I, I'm I'm having to go back on what I said now that I'd never heard of it. I think like I'd probably seen the previews, the commercials for it, and I just thought it was going to be so different. Yet, yeah, like it did not seem like a show that would really appeal to guys. And I almost, I almost exclusively know dudes that love it. And also the women that are, uh, you know, likely to say, I mostly have guy friends. Why? It has a very, very uh, male perspective sense of humor. 
uh, character, even though I think there are a lot of women that write on it, wrote for it. So it is actually, I think, probably a pretty balanced comedy. All right. Fact number two. Anne Hathaway was originally cast to be Tiffany. That's not the same as David O. Russell wanting Vince Vaughn and and Zoe. Uh, She had signed on. It was supposed to be Anne Hathaway, and she had to drop out at the last minute because she had to go film something else. What was that something else? Um, I probably should have looked that up while I was looking up all these facts, but uh, it was probably fine. I hope it was interstellar. <laughs> I hope it was interstellar uh, because that that would be space flat, space flat, space flat. All right. Um, the movie was shot in 33 days. I wish I had put this fact lower on the list, but I'm going off of Hollywood.com's order of their facts. But the reason that is important, that's pretty short. It's a pretty short shoot time. We'll circle back to fact three. Number four. Again, misplaced fact. No, 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 this is fine on the list. Number four is the title translated into Russian for the Russian release is My Boyfriend is a Psycho. Now, I think we actually brought that up about two weeks ago because I found that out and that fact it just blew my mind. That is hilarious. And I I am not okay with that fact. That's just so weird. It's not a good translation, but you know how it works when movies go overseas. We'll actually get a little deeper into this a little later because there's some more fun facts about that. But anyway, that was probably the best... I don't want to say mistranslation. It's not a direct word for word translation, clearly. But when, you know, they're trying to repackage and sell movies and they know their market and they're like, oh, I guess, I guess Russians like uh, comedy, romantic comedies about psychopaths or something. I I don't know. (laughs) All right. Now, this is uh, fact number five is why fact number three is relevant. It took five years and 25 rewrites before David O. Russell felt he could direct the film correctly with the right balance of emotion, character development, story telling. Um, The book came out in 2008 and the Weinstein company actually bought the rights to the book before the book had even been published. I think it had been bought by the publisher um, and then the Weinstein productions scooped up the film rights for it before the book had even been released. Uh, I believe the Silver Linings Playbook was published by Quirk Publishers. Um, That's me going off of memory of looking at it, but I I did look it up at one point. In fact, I'm even willing to make a pretty strong... uh, I'm willing to make a uh, Pat Senior Solitano parlay bet that it was uh, published by Quirk publishing and that I could also score a five at a ballroom dancing contest. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. Uh, Anyway, that's, that's pretty incredible. So the book came out in 2008 and they had scooped up the film rights. And so if you look at that, like five years of rewriting the script, now David O. Russell was doing other things. Like he wrote, uh, Three, three incredible movies about this. Did he write it? Is he the credited writer? He he must be right. But he he was working on uh, Silver Linings Playbook, The Fighter, 
and uh, American Hustle. And I believe I believe they were written in the order of Silver Linings Playbook, uh, The Fighter, and American Hustle. But The Fighter actually came out first. It was a little bit lower budget film. It was sort of the one that set up the run of three great movies because the success of The Fighter, David O. Russell's The Fighter, is what he used to finance the film Silver Linings Playbook. Uh, yeah, looking back at the 2008 book publication, so we look at that, uh, five years means he must have started writing writing the, the screenplay, the adapted screenplay, uh, prior to the book release in 2008. I'm not doing the exact math on the calculations, but you understand what I'm saying, right? And 25 rewrites, that's five, uh, broken down, that's five rewrites a year. That's rewriting a script, a screenplay, five times a year. And that's, you know, as me as an aspiring screenwriter, that seems like quite the task. But if you look at somebody who is a successful filmmaker already, you think about they're they're doing this also. So that's the care that was given to this story. And it's why it was nominated in the 2012 Academy Awards for Best... Uh, what's it called? Adapted screenplay. Didn't win, but it was definitely recognized that year, which I believe there was five or six other ones. You can go back to episode seven or eight, where you can hear a breakdown of how the Academy Awards went that year. All right, let's get back to the fact list. Fact number six, Jennifer Lawrence was most excited of all the, the cast members to meet Jackie Weaver. Jackie Weaver being the actress that played Dolores Solitano, Pat's mom, uh, Pat Sr.'s wife, Jake's mom, eventually Tiffany's mother-in-law. Uh, we did a breakdown profile of her in a very early episode too, so if you're interested in finding out more about why Jennifer Lawrence was so excited to meet Jackie Weaver, Go look up that character profile, which was in one of the early episodes. Uh, just r- quick reminder, catching everybody up. Italian, not 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 Italian, Australian actress primarily uh, has not been in that many American films, but you can see her here and there. Uh, amazing actress. A lot of times, a lot of times when I talk to people about Silver Linings Playbook, they talk about how good uh, Jackie Weaver's performance is. Because it is a supporting character, but it's so strong, consistent, and it's just a, a um, good acting choices, right? Like, she just makes the role hers. All right, fact number seven. Mark Wahlberg was cast to play Pat in the same way that Anne Hathaway was cast to play Tiffany. There was a last-minute change by David O. Russell to cast Bradley Cooper. Uh, whoever authored this list either was breaking up the facts that were related to one another to try to make it more interesting or just has no concept of thematic continuity. That's a sub-fact. Fact number eight. Tiffany is supposed to be in her 30s. In, her, in the book, the Silver Linings Play, play book, in the book, the Silver Linings Playbook, not the Silver Linings Playcast. This the podcast is is the Silver Linings Playcast. But in the book, the Silver Linings Playbook, the character of Tiffany Maxwell is in her thirties, which kind of makes a lot more sense when you 
uh, get the background of the character, having been married longer, uh, having worked at an office for a while. Um, but at the time of the filming, Jennifer Lawrence was only 22 years old. But that is just what Hollywood does, right? Fact number nine. All the sports games and the sports statistics and facts in the film uh, are real. Here's a sub-fact. A lot of the sports games and references are changed from the book to the movie to make them accurate for the time difference between the book coming out and the film coming out. The Also, just because the timeline of the story that takes place between the book and the movie are different. The book takes place over at least a six-year period, uh, maybe even seven or longer, because Pat spends five years in the mental institution, or in the movie, he only spends about eight months. So it is possible that the movie storyline takes place within within a year, if you're not counting the subplots that don't actually transpire on screen, but the actual time shown in the movie could all fall, all falls probably within a year. Number 10, Jennifer Lawrence was asked to gain weight for the role, and she is still uh, a tiny actress in the, the film, right? Okay, number 11, Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence's dance was choreographed. I'm like, Of course it was. It was a film, right? Not a documentary, and it included a sequence from Dancing in the Rain. I don't think this is a great fact to include on a list of facts because... Uh, that just happens on screen. In fact, they're even watching uh, a sequence from Singing in the Rain during their training montage. Uh, so so anybody that is familiar with that original uh, dance sequence could see the part that is inspired by that in their dance sequence. Anyway, they felt that it needed to be a fact. All right, number 12, another bad fact. Farewell to Arms is the book Bradley Cooper's character, Pat, throws out the window in the beginning of the film. Of course it is. One, this is not a fact. They show the book. Right? Okay. Thank you very much, Hollywood.com. Great fact. Uh, A better fact would be, like, the fact that we discussed in earlier episodes and several times that the book featured in the movie is not the same book that he's reading in the book of the book which is The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath. Boom. I always feel so smart when I say that, even though we've discussed that so many times on this podcast. We can see how much I'm not growing as a person. I guess I'm not living up to the whole mantra of the film, Excelsior. Fact number 13. The first, it was the first movie to receive the big five nominations from the Academy Awards. Now, this is a fact of, this is a 2012 fact. The big five nominations being nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Director, and Best Writing. That was a feat that had not been accomplished since 2004, uh, the movie Million Dollar Baby. Fun sub-fact. If you know the movie Million Dollar Baby, this is probably going to be a little spoiler. It is a but it has been out uh, 2000, since 2004, so you've had your chance. The first time I, I was in film school when Million Dollar Baby came out, and, and they used to give us free tickets to go see free screenings of films, 
that was a movie that was getting a lot of praise that year. Hillary Swank and Clint Eastwood. Uh, another movie that I feel like the, the trailer didn't give a great, a fair portrayal of what the movie was going to be, but for a different reason, because there's a huge plot twist in the movie that you, that you really didn't want to give away in, in the trailer so that the movie would have its full impact. If you have not seen the movie million dollar baby skip ahead to like two minutes, but I went to go see the film and I was expecting that it was going to be a typical like uh, um, woman finding her way sports film. She starts off as not, like girl Rocky. That's what I thought the movie was going to be. Uh, she is about to get in her big fight. And when I went to see this film in 2004 at the uh, movie theater at the Boston Commons, there was a fire alarm about right before the fight sequence. And we had to evacuate. They gave us free tickets to come back and see the, the rest of the movie or another movie. And I felt like I knew where the movie was going. So I did not choose to use my free ticket to go see the rest of the movie. Turns out there's a pretty big plot twist that was about to happen in the movie. Um, Hillary Swank's character breaks her neck and becomes paralyzed for the rest of the movie. And it has nothing to do with sports after that. I did not know that. So I went on for the rest of the year talking about the movie as if I had seen it and probably sounding like a big idiot to everyone that I had a film discussion with about that movie in 2004. So fellow, fellow film school students of 2004's, uh, Boston University School of Communication. Uh, I am. I'm just as dumb as you probably think, and nothing has changed since then. So, yeah. Fact number 14. Harvard Medical School psychiatrist Dr. Stephen Schulzman diagnosed Tiffany with borderline personality disorder. Now, if you're not familiar with what borderline personality disorder is, I've done a little bit of research uh, because, yeah, um, not not because of myself. Um, we won't go into the reasons why, but or maybe maybe it was for myself. Who who knows? I don't know. If I have BPD, what could I literally be doing the research to try to? deal with it and not know I don't know because I clearly did not do that much research about it but I did do some reading on it so that I could try to understand what it is um let's let's take a step back for a second too to say there are numerous articles out there that have diagnosed both the characters with different um different uh mental conditions and Tiffany's is not ever specifically stated. Uh, you can sort of try to deconstruct from some of the medications that they're on and the treatments, but hers is a little more vague. It's a little more clear in the book, but that's partially because you have more 
more symptoms too. But borderline personality disorder is often misunderstood with uh, split personality, multiple personality disorders. Uh, you know, the, the type of disorder, it's, I believe it falls into the same category. Also, this is not medical or scientific facts. This is just me trying to explain in layman's terms from my own understanding and reading about what it is. And basically, uh, there, there are mental conditions uh, the, the full multiple personality disorder where people will develop or fracture their, their sort of personality into fully uh, cognizant and realized personalities. And you see examples of this in the movie uh, Split. Um, you see examples of, of this in... Uh, I'm sure there's other movies. I can't think of it. Um, Oh, uh, Primal Fear, I believe, is a good example. Uh, A movie with, um, what's his face? Edward Norton and Richard Gere, a psychological thriller from probably around the same time. No, I think think earlier. Uh, But the, so the big difference is that people that are afflicted with the multiple personalities or can have such well-defined and isolated multiple different personalities that those personalities each have their own identity where they can have different voices, memories, but they are more isolated, segregated and compartmentalized. So they might not even know one another exists. They can interact with each other uh, as separate entities. And these people often will, will sort of like, uh, shift into different people. And I have had experiences with people that have, uh, had that, like actually had that diagnosed. Um, I believe it is related to, uh, uh, schizophrenia that, that might be the same thing. There's a whole family of personality disorders. I don't know the, the science and the breakdown of all the, the big important part though, is the difference is so by borderline personality disorder, from what I understand is a personality disorder where it is like you have the multiple impulses of different people, but they're all filtered through a single identity. What does that mean? So that means that, that, it's like you are aware that you are yourself. You're, you're, you cling to your personal identity, your name, but you feel like different people, but with the awareness that you are in fact the same person, right? I'm going to try to visually describe something using words. If, if you look at like a, a circle and you split that circle in half, all right? And each hemisphere, the top hemisphere, represents your, your uh, motivation in life, your goals, your, where, where you're going, where you... And the, the bottom hemisphere is representative of who you think you are, right? So in the multiple personality disorder, you would have a line that goes all the way from the top hemisphere to the bottom hemisphere because those those shifting views and senses of yourself actually belong to different different segments 
of of your mind. Uh, so I'm saying each individual identity uh, has their own wants and desires. Look at this from a writing perspective: the wants and the desires, right? Whereas borderline personality disorder is giving you a complete um, the the upper hemisphere still exists, but now let's take away the bottom hemisphere of the the circle and just have one line, right? So you still know that you are you, but you may have completely different desires, sort of like, I'm, I'm just going to use my example, but I'm not diagnosed, nor do I think I have borderline personality disorder. I'm just using uh, examples from my life where I wanted to be a cowboy and I wanted to be an Asian cowboy. I got the Asian part down. I did technically cowboy twice and I, you know, I was listening to country music. I was uh, watching and attending as many rodeos as I could. I was, I was training, working out, uh, trying to, trying to be a bull rider, getting into that as much as I could. Right. Uh, also though, I had like aspirations for these other careers. I wanted to be a, a filmmaker. Uh, I wanted to be a lawyer, a stock. So, so I'm, uh, the, the borderline personality disorder as a disorder is much more extreme and bad than what I'm trying to say. It's not, it's not so much just, Oh, you want different jobs. People have different dreams and that, but I think, so maybe if like one day I would wake up and I'm like, Oh my goodness, my name is Jamie and I am a kind, nice person and I want to go help the world. And then the next day I would wake up and I'm like, I, I still know I'm me, but like I'm, I hate the world and I hate, and I feel like I have totally different traits. I have different wants and desires, different goals. Maybe I even react to things like maybe I'm funny, uh, on, on good days. And then there's another part of me that's like, can't formulate a joke to save my life. Actually, all this sounds really close to home there maybe I don't know no 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 I'm just kidding am I am I kidding I have no idea I'm kind of concerned fact number 15 hollywood.com fact number 15 things you didn't know about the movie silver linings playbook Robert De Niro's tears when his character when Pat Senior tells Pat, when Patrizio is told he wishes they were closer, uh, Pat Senior's character, the character Pat Senior, cries, tears up. That was unscripted. That was just Robert De Niro being an amazing actor. So that is a fact. All right, that was the 15 facts. I feel like that, the, you know, there was really like 12 facts, but we're not good gonna split hairs because we got a couple bonus facts now let's go to some of the imdb facts imdb uh, if you're not familiar internet movie database one of the most authoritative sort of open source uh directories is wikipedia for movies and tv uh david o russell uh was drawn to the story because he really liked the themes of family relationships and his son suffers from bipolar disorder and obsessive compulsive disorder. So he felt very passionate about making a movie that sort of 
showed positivity in the face of suffering from mental illness. There, uh, these facts aren't numbered. We're just going to say new fact. New fact. Bradley Cooper is, in fact, in real life, an Eagles fan. Ew. All right. New fact. Tiffany was supposed to be goth. They wanted Jennifer Lawrence to dye her hair, dress darker. You can see you can see some remnants of that character in several scenes. Uh, the the raisin brand scene uh, is. It can still be a date if you order raisin bran. She has very dark hair and is wearing black, but it was supposed to be a totally different character. Harvey Weinstein changed that. So I guess uh, at risk of getting canceled, I'll say there is one good thing that he is responsible for or something. I don't know. That is that is this weird thing now that we have context with that was not, not sort of uh, as public knowledge in 2012 that Harvey Weinstein was uh, apparently a monster of, of Hollywood for, for years for his entire career. Terrible, terrible person. And so that is one of the sad contextual things that will always be associated with the film, especially because like, you know, it's one of the first things you're going to see the title card for the production for, for Weinstein productions at the beginning of the film. It is the first uh, credit at the end as when the movie cuts to credits. I was making a meme one time of Silver Linings Playbook and it involved uh, cutting to the credits and so I actually skipped the first credit which would have been Harvey Weinstein to say David O. Russell film. All right, new fact. Jennifer Lawrence auditioned for, for Silver Linings Playbook uh, via Skype. So I guess apparently like sometimes if you ever get uh, an email that says like, hey, audition for a movie, this could be real or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, that was just a dumb little fact. Uh, anyway. Okay, so we talked earlier about how in Russia this film was released with the title My Boyfriend is a Psycho. And I mentioned that, like, oh, I think these facts are out of order. And then I remembered, okay, no, actually, we weren't going to get to that because it was not a Hollywood.com list fact. But I actually found a list of, and this is a lot of fun, what the film was released as, titled as, in a whole bunch of different international releases. And they are all over the place. But this is actually, this is probably my favorite fun fact. So in Spain, the film was released as the good side of things. In Latin America, it was released as Games of Destiny. In Greece, it was released as Optimistic Guide. In France, it was called Happiness Therapy. In Italy, it was released as Positive Thinking. In Portugal, it was released as Guide for Ultimate Happiness. In Turkey, it was released as My Light of Hope. In Hungary, it was released as Sunnyside. And Thailand, it was released as Love You Like Crazy. That actually might be my favorite one. I don't um I don't know because I don't like I'm I'm not a fan 
of film titles that are that are um too long of a phrase and love you like crazy is is a little bit long in my mind for like a written movie title. It, it's falling right in there. it's only four words and they're short words love you like crazy it, i don't i don't know i just i have a weird thing about titling i love you know if you can do a one word title that's absolutely fantastic two ones is pretty much the standard um two or three i think it's that fourth word just really puts it in like the you know not terrible but i do like it because it it captures captures a lot of what the film is about with a little play on words too which is your favorite this we'll go over them again uh, the country doesn't matter but the good side of things games of destiny optimistic guide happiness therapy positive thinking guide for ultimate happiness my light of hope sunny side love you like crazy and my boyfriend is a psycho there might have been more different releases too, but that was that was a pretty good spread of list of of different uh, title releases names for Silver Linings Playbook. All right, new fact: following 2000, the, the 2012 release of Silver Linings Playbook, uh, Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence worked together on their next three movies. The 2013 film American Hustle, also by David O. Russell. Uh, the 2014 movie Serena. And the 2015 movie Joy. All right. This is another fun fact. I'm going to read this one verbatim. Some of them were not read verbatim. But uh, no, wait. I'm going to skip ahead to the next fact because uh, it's not as fun. <laughs> All right. Uh, another fact, this is the first film other than Rush Hour in 1998, the sequel, in which Chris Tucker has acted since Jackie Brown in 1997. Both films featured Robert De Niro. Okay, let's go to the the, the fact I was about to read because it's super... I don't know why I just skipped those. Anyway, we're doing what we're doing. It's my podcast. All right, here is the fact that I love. Throughout the movie... Dolores, played by Jackie Weaver, announces to her family and visiting friends that she made crabby snacks and homemades for them to eat while watching football. Many critics and viewers outside of the Philadelphia area assume that this was some sort of term for Philadelphia Eagles food tradition, but most Philadelphia area viewers were just as mystified by the terms as everyone else. Weaver herself, in a November 2012 New York Magazine interview, admitted she couldn't remember what the terms meant although she had known at the time of shooting the movie finally the philadelphia daily news reported that crabby snacks are a canapé that doreen quick mother of matthew quick who wrote the story used to make for game days and other gatherings the recipe consisted of canned crab meat processed cheese cooked together and spread onto english muffins and cut into quarters homemades are beef rolls covered with breadcrumbs and simmered in tomato sauce. I think we might have to do a food uh, research. We might we might have to track down the actual recipe for Krabby Snacks and Homemades. And if we do, we will 
clearly do something with that information because we do way too much with way too little here at the Silver Linings Playcast. All right. New fact. Uh, Shea Wiggum, who is the actor that played Jake Solitano, the main character's brother, and Bradley Cooper, the actor that played Pat Solitano, the main character, the protagonist. They both have the same birthday. They both have the same birthday, the 5th of January. I did not look up if they were born the same year. If they were not born the same year, okay, this is very important. We've all been misusing this term. Same birthday. And this is something that I actually, in the last week, realized. If they have, if they were born on the same day of the year, but they were born in different years, they don't have the same birthday. They have the same birthday anniversary. <laughs> All right. Here's another fact. And I'm actually, I'm surprised I missed this one way back when we did the episode on the differences between the book and the film. But the character that Jackie Weaver plays, and she's been brought up several times in this episode, the, the, the mother character whose name is Dolores Solitano in the movie is named Jeannie in the book, Jeannie Peoples. So we probably covered, there's a bunch of name changes, like the whole changes from Peoples to Solitano. I feel like I, I really should have had that fact back when we were discussing the differences, but I just don't remember saying that. Also, also I just didn't know the name. Okay, that now we are done with the IMDb facts. There was more. If you want to look them up, you can look them up on IMDb, but some of them are redundant from the terriblehollywood.com article that I read because not all those facts were facts, and some of them were just rehashed from the IMDb. Or maybe it was done the other way. They pulled the IMDb facts from the hollywood.com thing. I don't know. I don't care. But, but, but we are now moving on to the Jamie fact list about Silver Linings Playbook. And I only have two at the moment because I'm lazy and only felt like putting down two. These are facts that have both been covered before. But if we're doing an episode on facts, we have to include them. Number one, you know, Razor Band is featured prominently in the film Silver Linings Playbook as one of the most important scenes, my favorite scene. It can still be a date if you order Raisin Bran. And Robert De Niro. His character eats Raisin Bran in the Netflix movie The Irishman. And I actually have not seen that whole movie. I've only seen about a third of it. It is really long. I've heard it's great. It was a Scorsese movie. It was nominated for stuff. I heard people really liked it. I should probably go finish it. I watched it about a third of the way, which is where he eats Raisin Bran. And it is an old box of Raisin Bran, too. It is like the 70s logo of Raisin Bran or whenever that movie was set. Was that a nod to some fun little inter, uh, inter-film world referencing of friends or directors or maybe he chose? Or was it just random or was it not that many serials back in the 70s? Who knows? Okay. And the number two and number, number, it's the second, but it is in fact number one. It is the most important one. Silver Linings Playbook. Because this is being recorded on December 16th, so it is on everybody's mind right now, December 16th, 2021, 
Silver Linings Playbook is the best Christmas movie. It takes place over the Christmas time frame. There is some Christmas decorating that goes on and christmas E music in the background. Silver Linings Playbook is a Christmas movie. So that there there you have it. That is the fact. Uh facts about Silver Linings Playbook. There's probably more facts too. There there are multiple articles on it. There is other things about it. Uh you know, there's there's more that can be gleamed or gleaned. I think the word is gleaned. I think gleam is like a gleam in, in their eyes. Uh, gleaned is like scraping, uh, scraping the surface for facts or something. I don't know. Uh, I know a lot of words, but I don't know the word that I chose to use right in this moment for some reason. But there, there. I know there's more facts because I've, I've over the last couple of years and since I've seen this originally watched many different things. Uh, but um, watched many different, read many different articles on Silver Linings Playbook. There's some great articles. I really should do some actual reading to research some future episodes sometimes because there is there's a lot of uh, actual like scientific uh, psychology articles out there that are devoted to doing extensive breakdowns of the psychology of this film. Like last third week when I was watching this with Katie, uh, she was watching it for, I, I believe, I believe her first time. Yes. It was. Yeah. Her first time. Um, because she was one of the many people that didn't want to watch it because she thought it was a sports movie. And as she was watching it and coming up with all the theories that we discussed last week and we will delve into again because we did not even scratch the surface of of the other theories, the Silver Lining Playbooks theories we have. But uh, the reason I'm saying that is that there there is a lot of psychology that has been both you know analysis done on the film and the book but then also the other way around if you look online you can find where different schools not little schools because it's not like a little school appropriate topic or film was rated r but it, it they they use different examples from the film to highlight different principles that they were using in their their school curriculums and stuff uh for for example, um, I don't have example. You know what? I'm stalling right now because I'm not satisfied with not having finished out the full length of the podcast. And yet I, I feel like we did, we did a good job on most of it up until this point. So, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to tell you guys something weird that happened. I, uh, it, like you all know, it is nine days till Christmas. I did a lot of my Christmas shopping. Uh, I don't have that much Christmas shopping to do. The, really, the only thing I do is every year I buy, I buy my mother a machete for Christmas. I've been doing that for the last three years now. So this will be the fourth machete. I've, I've ended up returning most of them because she doesn't want a machete. This year, this one's not getting returned. But I ordered, uh, I was out of state and forgotten that 
that uh, Christmas was even coming up. And I had bought all my other Christmas presents for everybody that I was intending to give Christmas presents to like way, way before. So now my closet is full of a bunch of Christmas presents that uh, some um, are for people uh, that don't even need Christmas presents anymore. Some are, are the intended Christmas presents that will be going out um, or being delivered. But I did not have a machete. And I did, I like to avoid going to the store any store in december basically i try to buy everything i need to before black friday because i just don't like dealing with the crowds and i've heard that this year is especially worse because you have inventory shortages of all sorts of things supply chain issues that people are dealing with like i always try to i always try to buy pants before thanksgiving because i know i'm going to want some pants going into winter i'm going to want some athletic pants i'm going to want some jeans or something. I, I'm going to want pants and I'm not even talking about like new clothes either. I, you know, thrifting or, uh, going to, to the TJ Maxx's Marshall's Ross, the, uh, you know, those ones. Uh, I just, I want all, I don't want to have to go to the store during the holiday shopping season. I hate dealing with crowds and consumers that way. I will stock up on toothpaste and soap so hard. I, I literally mean, I don't want to go to the store for anything, nothing in the month of December. So I became an Amazon member a year and a half ago. And I'm not telling you all anything you don't know because, you know, the world was all around Amazon now uh love it or hate it that you know it just it is what it is so i ordered a machete i did a search to find a cheap one because like i don't i also don't know much about machetes i got the cheapest one i could find that looked fine too that also had like no ratings i think i paid six dollars for it six dollars in free shipping uh, I ordered this a while ago. So like I said, you all know I've been in Louisiana for the last couple weeks. I got home yesterday at four in the morning. And when I started going through my mail, I had this beat up box that, that I forgot what was in, but it's a U.S. postal priority shipping box. It's funny because it has some pictures of like dice and chess pieces and games and as being like oh you know there's some fun treat in here it's so beat up though i couldn't remember anything that i could have possibly ordered that as big as this box is like you all see where this is going the machete was in the box right but it was so beat up and i i opened it i heard something rattle around in there and i just thrust my hand down to the bottom of this this uh it's at least a It's like a three foot, it's not a three foot, a two foot box. It's like a two foot box, right? And I'm just like reaching down and it's so empty. I can't feel anything. And then I finally feel this handle and I start grabbing it just madly in the dark. I'm, you know, it's like I'm hunting for catfish or something. And I grab it like, what in the world did I order? What is this handle to? And I start smashing it against the side of the box instead of just pulling it out, right? And then my hand touches the back of the blade and like, oh, this is a 60 centimeter knife that I ordered. So I'm very lucky to have an arm today. 
It's a little bit of hyperbole. It's so dull, it wouldn't even cut paper. Uh, I probably could not have even opened the box to the machete with the machete that came in it. But anyway, it was the machete. Terrible story. Okay, so you know what? We're just going to call it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to the Silver Linings Playcast. You know, always available. Uh, we, I've got two, two guests lined up that, <coughs> that are going <coughs> to... Oh, excuse me. I was talking too enthusiastically. <coughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I've got a couple guests lined up that are going to be on uh, episodes in the next couple of weeks, which I'm very excited about. Uh, we're getting a lot of variety out of nowhere. We took a long time only having uh, uh, two guests alternating between between some of my best friends, but we're, we're reaching out. And uh, I don't want to say that that means that if I've talked to you about being on on the podcast you're not also my best friends everybody's my best friends i basically have two two standards of people there's there's my best friends if if we ever talked if we've ever talked or spent time together you're probably one of my best friends and if if we've only met after shows and you're just an audience member <sighs> you're still my friend This has become really weird and now sad and depressing. So let's let's get out of here. You guys probably have some Christmas shopping to do. I have some non-Christmas non-shopping to do because I don't need anything in the world. I have got y'all. And now y'all have one more episode, episode 78. Silver Lines Playcast is available where all podcasts on all streaming services and platforms, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Anchor, uh, I don't know if Anchor is actually a platform. It might be just the distribution uh, uh, thingy, I think. Um, Podbean, none of these are endorsements either. There's just the facts of where it's available. Tune in this week. No, tune in. Tune in. (laughs) Tune in next week and every week until we decide to stop doing this. Uh, because as far as we know, this is still the only podcast solely devoted to talking about Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. Until next time, we will see you down the road and Excelsior. He's kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping energy really messes with his brain. One is divorced. The other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. Oh yeah.